That's perfect. Right, we're on our, uh, I think it's third, maybe third or fourth, uh, of our little series on Revelation. And uh, we read right at the beginning of the, the second part of the book of Revelation, uh, where Jesus uh, said to John, I will show you what must take place. And uh, that was part of the reason uh, for giving us the book of Revelation in our Bible was to show us something of what must take place. But it was also uh, to reestablish in our hearts and minds and in the people between the first and then into the second century who were living, living under a very oppressive uh, Roman Empire. It was to reassure them that God is in fact on the throne, no matter what it might look like in the streets. And the third thing was to remind them about the resilience of the presence of God and of the gospel of God in their lives. And that's our little flower outside. And the people sitting over there, do you see any other miracles on the grass out there? Do you see the Christmas tree that has sprung up out of the grass? No. Is it not there? It is there. It is there. You saw it on the way in. Right, it's the top off that one. <laughs> yes, okay. I thought I would just set you a wee task to see if anybody noticed. Well done. Anybody noticed the new Christmas tree that is springing up out of nowhere? Not even a root on it. Um, next week it might have a bobble or two. <laughs> okay. But that wee, that wee flower sitting on the corner out there, a sign of the resilience that God puts in our hearts and in our lives for the difficult days. And of course, we're 20 centuries on from when the book of Revelation was written. It has been a long spell of waiting and of holding on. And through all the things that come and go through history and through our nation and through our society, we hold on because of the words of this book. So we're right up in chapter 21. There's only one more chapter to go after this, and we'll look at a bit of it next week. Uh, but this is what John wrote for us. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Wow. Um, way back in 1997, what's that? 20, 26 years ago, uh, coming about this time of year, my sister and her husband Stephen uh, came round to our house one night and they said, we want to have a team, a team meeting, a family meeting. And now you always get nervous about that, don't you? <gasps> what is a family meeting? Uh, what do they know? What are they about to tell us? 
what if they find out about us <laughs> or whatever? Um, and they come around and they said, for your Christmas present this year, we would like to invite your whole family, the two of you, and of course the three children who are listening to this, we'd like to invite you all to come to Florida, Disneyland, Florida, yeah, at our expense. I mean, it's one thing to be invited uh, to come to Florida, another thing to be told them we're going to pay for it all. And we thought, wow, going to pay for it all? Um, what exactly do you mean by pay for it all? <laughs> okay, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it meant pay for it all. Yeah, so uh, the, it was the best Christmas ever, yeah, uh, because it was going to be the best summer ever. So it was a summer holiday was what they were talking about, two weeks in Florida. So over the next few months, um, we put together this um, album. Now, you normally make an album after your holidays. We made an album before the holidays because we wanted to explore, and this was early days of internet and everything, we wanted to explore what it might look like to go to Florida. Wow, look at this, right? Now, you'd not be able to see this, uh, all of this, but it goes through. Um, day one, Belfast to Manchester. Oh, and a photograph of the Theatre of Dreams because we went on a tour because we had an overnight there. Uh, and then day two arrived in Kissimmee. Day three, SeaWorld. And of course the kids, day by day. Day four, the Blizzard Beach. Does this mean anything to anybody? Yeah. Day five, MGM. And I've written on the page, More Glorious Magic for MGM. Uh, and that was a, a film studio and on it went. On it went. Uh, oh, and then the day six, Magic Kingdom. Okay. And on it goes, page after page after page of, um, oh, Disney things to do. Because in our family's imagination, in that bit of, of your mind that looks forwards and looks for better and looks for hope and looks for oh, goodness, and all those things. Uh, we wanted to get ready. We wanted to get there ready uh, for the wonders of the magic kingdom, as in Disney and Mickey Mouse and all the other things that we were going to see when we were there. Why would you not want to begin to think about what's going to be great? Something to look forward to, something to lift your chin up, to look across the horizon and see something more. That's what this passage of Scripture is. This is the album for the first century Christians to look at, to wonder about what was ahead. And for 20 centuries, people have read this and wondered and imagined and thought of how great this is going to be. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Now, you might immediately read and I think, but I like a dip in the sea. I like to go to the beach, so why is there no sea? Now, we're going to come and look at this in just a wee minute, but let me uh, take you somewhere else first. Look at all that. I colored in all the times where it says new or will be. New, new, new. He will, they will be, will be, he will, 
will be anew. Right? This is something, something birthing, something like uh, Eric was showing us at the start, something that you haven't been somewhere you haven't been before, something that isn't completely like what we presently experience. It's something new. It's something that is yet to be birthed. And yet it isn't completely new in the sense that it is a new heaven and a new earth. Right? So this isn't just something magic out of nowhere. This is something that has begun but will be birthed in a completely new way. So let me see if I can illustrate this for you. Oh, no, let's skip on past that. Um, the first verse, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. If you go way back to the beginning of the Bible, to the very first chapter, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So whatever it is that is coming at the end, or at, let's not call it the end, let's call it at the new beginning, because it won't, it'll be the end of something, but it'll be the beginning of something new. It's a new heavens and a new earth. Now, could I show you that? If you went back to ancient peoples, that was how they understood the way the world was, because they had never been in a spaceship, so they didn't know anything about a globe or anything. Everything was flat. Uh, there was earth that you lived on, and underneath it was the underworld. So um, I suppose that's why you bury people, because it's on the way downwards. Because down there, and anybody who had lived anywhere where there was a, a volcano uh, would know that down there is hot and awful. And that's where the images of those things came from, by the way. Uh, right? They're not completely got out of the Bible, but this was what people imagined and believed about the earth that they lived on. They also believed that there was water under the earth. Now, why would they have believed that? For no other reason than when you dug a big hole, you found water. Uh, so, in some ways, uh, the earth that we lived on floats on the water. And that water at the edges of the earth, of the land that people lived on, was a frightening thing. It was full of, if you ever see any of those old medieval maps uh, of people who went exploring in the world, there's always monsters in the sea. Yeah, it's a dangerous place. It's where storms happen. Uh, it's where storms come from. It's where people lose their lives. It's where people set off with stuff and never come back. The waters are dangerous. It's a dangerous place. The, the ships in the Mediterranean, you know, the, the Greeks and the Romans and all, they used to just hop around the coast right? They rarely ever sailed out across. You stay near the earth. The sea represents something bad. Above the sea is the sky, the heavens. And I need to show you something. Don't you love a Greek word? Yeah, okay. There is a Greek word, uh, uranios, which means heaven, but it also means sky, and also means the air we breathe. And this is all in chapter 6 of Matthew. This then is how you should pray, Our Father in heaven, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven and look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your Father in heaven feeds them. Now, the Bible writers, and particularly they were writing in Greek, were very particular about the words they chose. 
And the word for heaven, air, heaven, and heaven there is the same word, right? They imagined that heaven was just up there, if you look up at the sky. And you can see that in the picture, how they understood how it all worked, that somewhere up there, the sun brought them life in the daytime, the moon brought them light in the darkness, uh, and that somewhere up there was where God lives, because heaven and sky is all the same word. And of course, very often, they went up mountains to look for God. They went up into the sky. So when God creates the heavens and the earth, and then will create the new heavens and the new earth, we're talking about this. Yeah? This is what's going to be made new. We aren't going to be transferred by some process called death to some sort of spooky floaty land where you sit on clouds uh, and play wee harps and all that sort of thing. What God is showing us is that we're going to get a new, transformed, renewed, redeemed heaven and earth, sky, cosmos, earth, and everything that's there. I have to say, I think this is fantastic good news. Because between you and me, I don't really want to float around in the clouds. Uh, I want something that's tangible and touchable and real and people in it and uh, relationships and all those things. And that's what we're being told is being promised. So, he began it. He invested himself in the creation. And he, has, and he is not prepared to let it go. And he is going to redeem it and make it new. It will be a new creation. Let's go on a little bit. The next verse, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Now, way back, we're comparing this to the first creation. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And uh, God has been redeeming that mankind and recreating it in the likeness of Christ and it's called the church. That new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. The bride is the bride of Christ, is the church. And I don't know whether that means literally coming down out of the sky or whatever that might mean, but that the church of God, the faithful to God, will be invited to dwell in the new heaven and the new earth. And of course, we do sing this. One of our old traditional hymns is the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. We are part of this new heaven and this new earth. Revelation 21, 3, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And way back in the first creation in Genesis 3, we're told that the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid. Right? When God created his world and created mankind to inhabit it and everything else that was created in it, uh, Genesis 3 indicates that God walked in it in the cool of the day. There's a beautiful picture of harmony uh, and of wonder there, of God dwelling in his creation, 
uh, with the humankind that he had created. But we read right at the end, they hid because they'd been up to no good, and they realized that uh, they were destroying it. But the new heavens, the new earth, it's almost like a return to that, isn't it? It's, it's, it looks like that, that God's dwelling place is now among them. He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. And there's no hid. There's no hiding required, because this will be the wonderful new creation in which God and humankind and everything else that God has created will live in harmony with one another. And then a verse that we read often at funerals, Revelation 21.4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. We're going back to Genesis 1. Uh, I didn't bother writing all the text for this or even the whole verses, but let there be light, and there was, and it was good. And God saw that it was good. Phrases that keep repeating in the creation story. Let the land, and it was so, and God saw that it was good. The stars to give light in the earth, and God saw that it was good. Let birds fly, creatures on the sea, God saw that it was good. Animals, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. When humankind was placed into the creation in the image of God, it's kind of like, oh, that is just the way I want it, was what God was saying. It is now very good. Yeah? Yeah? But of course, we know that since then, it has become very bad. But you know what? We're being promised in Revelation 21 that it will once again be very good, wiping away the tears from our eyes. No more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the old order of things will have passed away. It will once again be God's perfect creation. It was very good. And could I just say that in case you're wondering, what are we all going to be doing in it? Uh, I suspect if we see a parallel between the first creation and the new creation, uh, in the first creation we're told there down at the bottom of all those verses, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over. And rule over means care for. Uh, means look after, means work it, uh, make it abundant, make it plenteous and bountiful, uh, creating all the things we need. I suspect that if that old creation is reflected in the new creation, there'll be something like that for us to do. It will be caring for it, working it, ruling over it. Uh, but if you read on in the story in the early Genesis thing, after sin entered the world, uh, Phrases like the sweat of your brow and pain and childbirth and all those things came after that. But we're going to be back into the, the new creation will be the one um, that where it works, where it's a positive, life-giving experience to care for our world and to be part of that. Uh, but again, it's, this isn't sitting around on clouds singing. Uh, this is actually being uh, a partners with God in the new creation. 
Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. Oh, I forgot to mention that. The reason there's no longer any sea in the new creation is because the sea represents the storms and the beasts and the death and the destruction and the fear. The new heaven and the new earth, there's no sea. Now, that can you go with symbolizing things here? There may be, if it's a new creation like ours, of course there will be beaches and sea and everything, but um, that fearful thing will be gone because it couldn't be a new heaven and a new earth uh, if there was still that danger and fear and everything built into it. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, the church of God, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband who is Christ. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And in my mind, that's the revelation, new creation, balanced to God said it was very good. It will be brand new. Just the way he had always intended it to be. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Now, one penultimate thought, and then a last thought. Way back, Genesis 2.2, at the end of the seven days of creating, uh, we're told in Genesis 2.2 that uh, it was finished, it was completed, and God rested on the seventh day. Yeah? The creation was finished and completed. In John 19.30, Jesus, hanging on a cross, cries out, it is finished, it is completed. The broken creation has been redeemed. It is finished, Jesus cried out. It was completed on a cross on Calvary. That was why Jesus, the Son of God, God the Son, died, gave his own blood, took our sin, our brokenness, everything kind of being sucked into his very being, and he dies. And he takes it all with us, with him, sucking it out of you and me. Now, of course, we go on living in it, but the consequences of it, the the pain of it, the finality of it in our lives has been dealt with. It is gone. The redemption of this world is finished. And we long for, and that's why we light Advent candles, that's why we go through these stories, because we are longing for the day when the new creation will come. And then that will also be completed and we will find our place in that new creation. Now, that was the penultimate thought. Here's the last thought. Uh, this is a wee story that leapt into my mind from the New Testament when I was doing this. Let me just close this. Can we turn that off? Wee story of, um, and it was only when I was reading this that this wee story took on a different kind of um, meaning for me. 
And it's the story of the disciples out in a boat, and they're on the sea. Yeah. Now, in their minds, you see, we don't think of it like this, but put yourself back into their minds. The sea is the place of storms. The sea is the place of danger. And of course, the disciples are in this boat, and they find themselves in a storm. And they're fearful of their lives. Uh, there is death and destruction all around them. And then what do they see? They see their friend Jesus walking on the water. Now, try to get the symbolism of all of this. If in their minds the sea is the place of death and destruction and storm and everything that represents evil for them, Jesus walks on it. Yeah? What about that? And you can imagine their minds, their hearts, putting together more and more jigsaw pieces. Who is this? He walks on the storms, on the death and destruction. He walks on it. And then Peter, and we sometimes think of him as a bit of an idiot for getting out of the boat, really, except that he was doing something profoundly gospel, which was saying that if Jesus can walk on the storms and on death, then so can the church, so can the followers of Jesus. And he gets out of the boat and steps onto the source of death and destruction. And in the New Testament, you'll read uh, that Christ has put everything under our feet. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. So our place is standing on the storms, standing on death and destruction. It no longer has any hold over us. Now, Peter is just testing this out. And we read in the story that when he saw the storm and the waves, that he started to sink. And then the gospel. Jesus reaches out with his hand and says, Peter. Peter grabs his hand and is once again lifted above the death and destruction. And that, I think, is the somewhere in behind the revelation uh, revelations to us about what must happen is the invitation in the midst of the storms that we still find ourselves in to see the hand of Christ. And of course, there's a scar on it. And when he reaches out and calls your name, grab hold of it and say, yes, Lord. I want you to lift me up out of the death and destruction and allow me to begin to see that my future is in the new heavens, the new earth, the new creation, that it's for me, for you, for our friends, for our families. And the gospel invitation is reach out and grab that hand. Say, yes, Lord, I want to walk in this. I want to walk on the storm, not be taken down by it. Lord, we want to thank you for this incredible future that you have put out before us in the album of the, of the future that lies ahead, this, this message that you gave John to share with us. So we want to be ready. We want to be heading in your direction. 
So we reach out today and grab hold of your hand and say, yes, Lord, lift me up out of the sea, the storms, the sin, the death, the destruction. And let me find my life in you. I want to be part of your new creation.